0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast.
1: Hey everybody, this is Alex Youngblood here with Joe McCall. Another great podcast coming towards you, your way. I heard you there, Joe, just say yo in the background there. <laughs> but we're getting rolling here. We've got a great interview today with, with Ken Gills, uh, an outsourcing extraordinaire. Uh, but before we get to that, we want to direct you to our website at realestateinvestingmastery.com where we have a awesome free gift that you can pick up and start using in your business right away. It's called the Fast Cash Survival Kit. And basically what it is is it breaks down how to market for deals how to uh, outsource your negotiations on your deals and negotiate and, and outsource um, your your uh analyzation of your deals and a lot of what we're going to be talking about today and you can go right right away now to realestateinvestingmastery.com and pick that up and the only thing that's stopping you in this business is the is actually doing it it's the speed of implementation so if you can go out and start using this right away then you're going to start seeing success. If you do nothing, then you're not going to see any success. So, keep that in mind. A lot of people get stuck in analyzing this business and trying to figure out what's go what can I do different? What font can I change on my postcard? Is it an 800 number? Is it a 866 number? What should I put on my postcard? How should I market? What should I I don't know how to, you know, do Google AdWords or or whatever, but the key is you just have to start moving in the right direction. And that's what's going to lead you towards uh, towards success, to getting that first call coming in. And then when you get that first call, then you can start talking to people and start getting the feel for the business and start feeling for for what a motivated seller really sounds like, as opposed to somebody that's just saying, uh, eh, I just would like to see what you would offer me." And once you start talking to people and you start looking at properties and looking at evaluations and and seeing what this business is all about then things are going to start to fall into place but the main thing is you've got to get started and you've got to get going so yeah. How you doing, Joe?
0: Excellent, Alex. I like what you said there. It was really good. You got to just take action and go.
1: Go go That's go. Right. You can't steer a parked car, right? Ah. Well, you can, you just won't go anywhere. <laughs> That's right, and the steering wheel will eventually lock on you <laughs> <laughs> right, because you just get all excited and go to a bunch
0: of webinars and boot camps and read a bunch of books, and that's cool. I enjoy education. I like that stuff, right, but it's absolutely meaningless it's It's not worth a hill of beans unless you take any action and start moving forward and I tell people all the time it's you know you just forget about steps seven and eight, right? Just start doing steps one and two. Just take it one step at a time and you'll make mistakes. No two deals are exactly the same. Every deal is different. And so you're just going to have to learn as you go. And it, it helps to have a mentor. It helps to have somebody either local or international or whatever that can you know help you answer your questions, be able to pick up the phone and talk to them anytime to see, okay, well now what do I do? Alex, you and I have seen this over and over again. The people that have the most success – are the ones who just take massive action. That's right. Massive action. And they're not afraid. You don't, Go ahead. yeah. You don't
1: have to get it right. You just got to get it going.
0: Uh-huh. Absolutely. It's the ready, fire, aim mentality. It's it's the people who are sitting on aim will never get anywhere. Ready, aim, right. aim, aim, aim. Well,
1: you, you know, got to be careful of that too sometimes. Um, I'm actually going through a deal right now that I bought um, in my uh, – my lovely title company um, didn't pick up an illegal subdivision that was done um, back in 1943 or whenever the lot was split off. Yeah. And when I, I bought the property to do a wholetail, so that's a mix of a wholesale and a retail, so I closed on the deal. I put it on the market. I bought it for 135 I listed it for 199 and we got a contract at 206 because we put the uh, closing costs on top. Yeah and we're ready to resell. It was supposed to close last Friday and I find out about this illegal subdivision. Wow. So now I've got to replat the property and, and I was able to get title insurance on the property but have you ever seen it? Have you ever read your title insurance policy? Yeah, I read it every time. It says, <laughs> you know, we cover this, 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 this besides the exclusions. And when you look on the exclusions it lists almost everything that they cover except for a couple things. Wow. <laughs> So it's probably gonna cost me about three thousand dollars to fix. Um, but I mean it, you know it's still it's still gonna work out, but uh, that was a shocker because I was thinking, oh man, I'm never gonna be able to sell this property. I'm um, hundred thirty five thousand dollar mistake right there. <laughs> oh my So you do you do have to that's where having a mentor and and having um, some guidance comes in from somebody that's been in the business and knows what to do. Because um, I've never really dealt with that before, but I've I've got some really good contacts in the industry that were able to steer me clear and help me know what to do. Um, well, yeah, but that was um that that was a fun one over the last couple weeks.
0: One more thing, and we'll get to Ken here um, that I think is important to understand is when something like that happens, don't freak out, don't don't have a heart attack.
1: This business does not work, Joe. It doesn't work. <laughs> <laughs> well. Uh, you know, I, I've I've
0: seen people that are taking action, okay, and they're doing stuff, and they get a deal, and something bad happens. They get a threatened lawsuit, or they get a threatening letter from the um, real estate commission, or something like that. And it's I understand it's it's easy to kind of freak out and uh, hyperventilate and get worried about that stuff. But okay, you got to look back, step back, and think. Okay, what's the worst that could happen here? All right, I mean, with this type of deal, you had. Um, you have to pay three grand to fix it. It's, it's all right. You're still going to make I don't know what ten, twenty, thirty grand on this property, Alex. No, probably something like forty something. Okay. Well, what's the worst? The worst that could happen? Um, you have to keep it as a rental property. That know? would
1: be the worst. Yeah. Is I was that's what I was thinking. I was like, okay, I've got a private lender on this deal. Number one above everybody else, I've got to protect my private lender. So I'm thinking. <laughs> All right, so now I might have to refinance this. How am I going to protect him? Make sure he's safe um, and gets, you know, and gets gets his money back. Um, and then I'm thinking, am I just going to have to use my own money to pay him back, and then sit on this uh, rental wise? Um, because I had a buyer; the buyer is willing to go into it, um, and they're actually we are doing an early possession. They're moving in, and they're going to pay rent until it's fixed, which should be a probably. Three, four weeks, maybe. Okay. But is that so, the end of the world? No, it is not yeah. the end of the world. Right. So everything's going to be okay.
0: That's my point. Yes. All right. So yep. realestateinvestingmastery.com, you get to our Fast Cash Survival Kit, and you also get you know email notifications when we do new podcasts. And there's a place there where you can leave a message if you want us to answer a question. And Alex, we need to schedule a time to do more of those Q&As. Yes, we do. But anyway, Ken's probably, again, as all of our guests are, getting annoyed because they're just waiting and waiting for us to to jump over and start talking to him. But that's okay, because we like Ken, and Ken's a good guy.
2: Cool. I'm actually enjoying the conversation. I mean, this is some really (laughs) good information. Y'all guys are hilarious, too.
0: Well, guys, this is Kenneth Gills. Ken hails from Baltimore, Maryland, right? Yes, sir. Baltimore, Maryland. Are you an Orioles fan?
2: Yes, I am.
0: Oh, okay. That's all right. It's okay. You're not a Washington Nationals fan?
2: No, 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 no. i side of the beltway.
0: Okay. Right on. Alex and I wanted to have Kenneth on this call because he's doing some pretty cool things with virtual assistants and you're doing a bunch of deals uh, virtually in your own market. And I think you're doing some deals in other markets too. We're going to talk about that. But mm-hmm. Kenneth, would you... To just kind of go back maybe a little bit to your history, what were you doing before real estate days?
2: okay, well, before real estate days, I was in the military um and I had a pretty successful career in the United States Navy. I got out uh from the Navy and began working for the White House on Andrews Air Force Base and was able to maintain my clearance and do some government work there cool, so that was you know, that was pretty fun uh but it gave a point in time where I felt like I just You know, you get. I had one of these jobs that just—it was already the the path was already laid out. I knew where I would be the next five years, next ten years, next twenty years. It was already laid out. I just felt like I wanted to do something more. Um, You know, you just get the feeling inside that there got to be more than what I'm doing. Something where I can give more, do more, just feel more fulfilled out of you know what I do every day. Yeah. So, have to admit, I had this one addiction that kind of got me into real estate. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. I know. I know. I'm (laughs) going to lay it all out right now. Right on. The addiction was late night television. Oh. Remember the old Carlton Sheets commercials that used to come on TV late at night, you know? Yeah. We'll be uh, on the beach with his hair blowing in the wind talking about, you can make this money in real estate. So... I know
1: exactly what you're talking about. In fact, when I first moved to this area, I didn't have any money for cable or anything, but that's what I watched, infomercials. <laughs> so
2: same <laughs> same deal. Mm-hmm. That's cool. what got me. So I said, well, let me give this a try. I see the people that are doing it and know more millionaires have been made through real estate than any other uh, instrument. And so I said, well, let me give this a try. And well, let me take that back. I didn't say let me give this a try. I don't believe in trying anything. I believe you either do it or you don't. Yeah. So I went in and gave it 100% and got back exactly what I gave.
0: Okay. So was it a book that you bought or a series of DVDs? Oh, did they have DVDs back then? I don't know. Well,
2: yeah, exactly. They had, they had Betamax and VHS. Okay. Ashley <laughs> <No. laughs> would. Well, I bought then. I bought the Carlton sheets, and I bought a couple of other um books and manuals on you know rich dad, poor dad, and all the other different uh, information out there on real estate and investing and business. And I read those books, and those helped my mind to thinking about finance and real estate and business differently. Okay. Um, those things were there, kind of. They were they were the catalysts. So one book led to another. Uh, like I read the the cash flow quadrant that helped me understand about the um, different types of mindsets. I read uh, Steve Hoff Ecker, um Secrets of the Millionaire Mind, that helped me understand more about uh, the processes that go that are involved in there. Uh, you mentioned earlier about the ready shoot, uh, ready aim shoot. Yeah. You know about how when you suffer from paralysis from analysis, how. You know, that can limit a person. And you really think, I, I see some people that are like, um, like professional students. They'll come to the meetings and they say, oh, this is great, this is great. And they get so caught into this is great, this is great. And afraid to do anything to make a mistake. And yeah. the, the beauty and the joy in it is, like you said, finding someone that can help you limit and uh, mediate those uh, mistakes and can grow uh, further and do a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I got with uh, a mentor. I got with a coach to help guide me and help me so that way I can follow his footsteps because success does leave footprints. Mm-hmm. And you know, follow those steps and did what he did and I got what he got.
0: Talk about that. Your your coach that mentor that you had. Um, how did you find him?
2: Well, actually, what I I looked around. I went on Google. By um, well, the time it was not Google, uh, there was um, the Rias that we went to. Okay, so I went to the Rias. Um, there, uh, there was some emailing going back and forth, uh, as far as you know, who were the um, individuals to speak to. And I started networking. What I really found that helped me was finding out the mentor or coach that fit my personality type.
0: Hmm, okay.
2: Wouldn't that fit me. So uh, I had to wanna find my unique approach to going about investing. Okay. Because really real estate I've learned should uh satisfy our lives. It should serve us. Mm-hmm. And some get into real estate And they create a job. And they they leave the job to get into real estate to create freedom, but in turn create another job that's worse than the one they left. Because at least the one they left, they can go on vacation. The one they just created, they can never go on vacation. Uh So I learned how to get real estate to satisfy my life and allow me to spend time with things that matter to me, like my kids. Um, Very big in family. And so I had to find someone that shared my same values to help me to build my real estate business, do the exact same thing.
0: How many kids do you have, Ken? I have two. Awesome. How old yeah. are they?
2: Two girls, seven and 12. Cool. You planning on having any more? Uh, no, nah, I think I'm pretty good right now. I have a stepdaughter too. so all, and It's three girls. So all three girls, she's 14. Okay. So seven, 12, and 14. They, they keep you pretty busy. Now Alex and
0: I are collecting kids, right? We, we, <laughs> we've each, we each have four of them.
1: Are you done, oh. Alex? Yeah, I, I think I've adapted the uh, or adopted the hashtag for no more. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I have four as well. I tell people we're, we're collecting them.
2: There you go. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, cool.
0: So, you're your systems guy. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess because mm-hmm. your background in the military mm-hmm. obviously is gonna teach you a lot about mm-hmm. systems. How did you? What did you learn from the military? Did you learn anything from the military that you can apply – you applied over to your real estate business?
2: Well, that's great that you mentioned that. Actually, before I was in the military, and I get it. I actually went to the military to provide some – and I only mentioned this to give you a little bit of back uh, story about myself. I was previously homeless in high school. Oh, really? So I joined the military to provide some stability to my life because before then –
0: You were, were homeless in high school. Yes. Whoa! Yes. Like that's a big deal. So, yeah. <laughs> that kind of sucks. Like, <laughs> what? It does. What would you mind sharing a little bit about? How, you know, if you don't mind, mm-hmm. uh, how what happened?
2: Yeah, I don't mind, and the reason it's kind of funny how real estate works. One day, I was uh, in front of a group sharing my experiences in real estate, and someone in the group, actually said, "You know." Can we're not like you? We didn't all have a silver spoon and all uh, handed to us. <laughs> and I gotta tell you, Joe, that was the first time I actually like just like ripped red in the in the room. You know, all these years, and and I had no intentions on sharing my past or my story, but I just said silver spoon. Are you kidding me? Wow. Are you kidding me? Do you realize that when I was in high school, I slept in laundry mats up in the backseat of cars no
0: way. that I had
2: everything I wanted I had to work hard to get I used to spend the entire day the entire day from sun to sundown in a movie theater and that was so I wouldn't be on the streets because if you were out on the streets if you were just hanging around you're around people who doing things that you don't want to be a part of huh. and if you're not doing what they're doing then you can become a victim to what they're doing wow. so for me I would just say hey I I worked hard, and when I wasn't at work, I was in the movie theater. I would just go from one movie theater to the next, from one show to the next, and just stay there. No way. And I just had a determination to just, it got to be more, you know, and that's why I ended up joining the service.
0: So how many years were you homeless like that?
2: Oh, about the last two years in high school, probably 11th and 12th. Wow. Periodically, I would stay with friends. Uh, friends would have... um their mom would say, Hey, you can stay with us for a little bit. And then they say, Hey, this guy's been here for about a week. When is he going home? <laughs> and, then, yeah. and they would say, Oh, okay. Then he find out, and they say, Oh, we don't want to get caught in any family stuff, so you got to go. And then uh, one friend would let me stay in their basement, but I had to leave before their father went to work in the morning. So when he came downstairs, he wouldn't see me. And I could come in when he came back from work and went to sleep. So wow. I mean, these were the type of. Um, Challenging times I had to go through in the beginning. So I mean, things weren't handed. I mean, I had less than nothing. Wow. I mean, like I said, and then someone in school would find out and say, "Hey," you know, that can be pretty embarrassing in school. People find out that you, you know, you were in a laundromat sleeping.
0: <laughs> Jeez. Okay. So um, hmm. you were able to finish high school. Correct. That's amazing. I mean, that you'd finish school
2: even in the midst of all that.
0: Right. What city did you grow up in? Was it Baltimore?
2: Yes, in Baltimore City okay doing the worst the worst time to grow up during the uh, the '90s and so forth. Wow
0: well, t- t- Tell me why you chose the military again?
2: Well, I chose the military truthfully because I wanted somewhere steady to sleep the recruiter came and I was saying, you know, I was going, I was tired of like losing clothes. You know, you stay, you, you buy clothes and you stay at one friend's house and you move, you know, living out of a suitcase. It was, yeah. it was tough. I mean, I was really tired of it. So I wanted to join the military because I knew if I joined the military, at least I would have somewhere stable that I can call home somewhere stable. I could sleep Yeah. in some type of a group environment where I could feel a connection. Yeah. And, no, from a uh, psychological level, that's why I joined the Navy. Cool. And what I got out of it was much more than I expected. So, kind of tie
0: in, if you can, the you learned a lot about systems and everything's got to have a, a kind of right. a written checklist, right? So, did you apply some of the, what you learned there into real estate investing?
2: Oh yes. Um, when what I learned in the military was systems. I wasn't had a, a secret clearance and. I was in charge of the systems on a helicopter. And okay. if the systems weren't correct, the helicopter would crash. And when we was in the Middle East, I was in charge of making sure that whenever we went on missions, that we'd be able to keep the helicopter flying correctly. And if it came back from a mission and there was some damage to the helicopter, it was my job to repair that and make sure that it worked. Because there were lives at stake every time we went on a mission. Hmm. Overseas, there is no way, like, you know, you have the hazards on your car. If you have a, a check engine light or something comes on, you can just pull over. Yeah. When you're in a helicopter, there is no pulling over. You know, you're landing in the water or you're landing in a desert. Either one is not the goal unless it was your intended landing point. Right. <clears throat> so, uh, I understood systems, understood, you know, quality control, um, you know, checking behind yourself, uh, accountability, um, going the extra mile. Um, and looking at there's no task too small everything means something more you know looking at every step and the the policies and procedure and follow through those are the things that I learned in the military and teamwork um, by all means of teamwork I learned that right there a lot and I took those um, attributes and traits and qualities that I learned from there and carried they became a part of me Okay. And anything anything I become involved in I bring that to that table okay good So I brought those systems into my business.
0: What are some of the – give us some examples of some of the systems that you bring into your business.
2: Okay. Well, some of the systems I bring into my business. One, it may seem um, small, but the first business that I I bring into is the human element of leadership and bringing the best out of the people that I work with. That's what I believe helped me a lot with the systems I built here or people in the States and outside of the U.S. I'll always treat people the way that I want to be treated. Sometimes I see in this business where a person gets a business card and they have, you know, CEO on it or president, and then automatically start treating others different. I'll always do my best to figure out how can I add value to everybody that I'm working with. If I'm not adding value to anybody's life that I'm working with, subordinate or not, then I'm wasting my time. Okay. That's the first step that I go about. Bringing the people around, making them feel that they're a part of something big, that we have a mission. That usually, <clears throat> what I do is I create the culture that I'm in my work environment that we as a group are trying to right a wrong, that we are trying to bring something right into a system or improve something for some purpose. And that collective agreement helps be that's like the mortar. To the bricks that's the glue that keeps us together, working together harmoniously and allow us to focus on the bigger picture instead of the smaller challenges that are going to come up on our and they will come up right from there so uh, from there, then what I do out there and you know, I have the people together because at the end of the day, you have to have policies and procedures in place because without that you can i found it <clears throat> be very challenging to manage people for me, managing people is like Chasing cats. It's impossible. (laughs) right? You know, you can't, people have to manage themselves. So what I do is I create a great culture or a great environment that good people want to be a part of. And then from there, I create policies and procedures that one must follow. So that way we know how we're working together. How are we, what's our expectations? How many deals should we close this month? How much marketing should we send out? How many calls should we receive? How many calls should we answer? I mean, these are the metrics that I use. Because without metrics, if you can't measure anything, mm-hmm. how do you know if you're doing what you should do or if you're not doing enough?
0: Um, all right. So you're what, you're doing a lot of deals now. Talk talk about the size of your business, if you don't mind. You know, how many sure. how many deals do you do on average a month mm-hmm. or a year? Uh, what sure. What kind of staff do you have?
2: No worries. Uh, my business, um, at the top of my business, I have different facets. I have, I do renovations. I have one uh, line of business renovations. I built, own, operate, assisted living homes. That's another um, aspect of my business as well, where I do consulting on that. And when it goes into the acquisition side, which is what we're talking about today, I do um, wholesales, and sometimes we will wholesale a deal into... The, prop, the uh, renovation portion.
0: Okay.
2: Um, this month, we've sent out ten thousand direct mail uh, letters, yellow letters that we sent out. Um, and so what? Ten thousand yellow
0: letters, not postcards.
2: No, 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 exactly. Ten thousand yellow letters.
0: Okay. Nice.
2: That's, yeah, that's and the phones are ringing like you wouldn't believe.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'd hope so, especially yeah. with yellow <laughs> letters. You're going to get more calls and
2: postcards. Right. Yeah. Right. What I found from um, direct mail uh, using mail letters,
0: uh-huh.
2: per 1,000, I usually get anywhere from 90 to 110 phone calls per 1,000.
0: That's um, 10%? Yeah. Right?
2: Exactly, yeah. And from there, I usually get, on average, two deals per 1,000. So sometimes it's three. And sometimes it may be even four, but on average it's two.
0: Okay, and then um, what's your average profit on these deals? Wholesale the deals? the profit
2: on these deals are around, around $12,000, the average profit.
0: Now, come on.
2: Yep. Yep, <laughs> the average profit is 12 One <laughs> I had before was 17 and before that was 20 I could um, see some of the HUD ones, but that's where the ranges uh, come from. Now, you do get some like there is one that we're working on now where the profit is going to be around 7000. Okay. And uh I've even had believe this or not, I've even had one deal where the profit was $800.
0: You bought it for 800?
2: No, the profit was 800. This huh. wasn't
0: a, the That's profit worse than what I My lowest
2: is $855. I think I beat you by 55. You, you beat me <laughs> yeah,
0: of course I've lost money on deals before. I don't want to and, talk about those.
2: Yeah, we don't want to talk about that too much. <laughs> and the funny thing was, when I told my partner, he said, "Wow, Kenny, you know, we got eight hundred dollars." I said, "You know what? If we had a thousand of these, we'd be rich." He said, "You're right." Yeah, <laughs> just
0: keep going. You know, you made hundreds of dollars on a deal. That's awesome. <laughs> I made hundreds of dollars.
2: Yeah, I'm a hundred air. You know, but hey, you Alex. Keep-
0: Alex, what's
1: the uh, what's the lowest profit? I think we've asked I've asked you this before. What's I'm the- not sure what my low. I I don't think I've gone into the hundreds yet. <laughs> <laughs> yet, I,
0: there was yeah there was a deal that I I could have, I I could have just said forget it. I mean I've away. lost money on deals too. Right. But, you know, we don't, we don't t- talk about that. Nah. <laughs> no, but we would. Maybe we should talk about those someday. But yeah, I've, I this deal I could have just walked away. But mm-hmm. to save face, not to save face, but to do the right thing, Right. Um, I, I said, yeah, okay, we'll, we closed on it anyway. <laughs> but- mm-hmm.
2: Sometimes you do that, you know? Well, many times. It's, uh, when my case right there where I made the $800, it was this, a matter of there's the philosophy that there's no such thing as a bad profit. Mm-hmm. And it's a matter of volume. You know, that was just one of many deals.
0: Nice. So your average profit is twelve grand, and the reason I wanted to highlight that is because mm-hmm. um, I, I've I've heard so many people. It so bothers me. Mm-hmm. If you want to, if you want to get under my skin, not that I'm inviting anybody to do that. But <laughs> if, if you wanted to irritate me, then then give me the yeah butter excuses. Yeah but mm-hmm. yeah but of right. you know I've talked to I hear this. I talked to all of the. Wholesalers in my city, and nobody's making more than $3,000 per deal. Mm. Or I've talked to every realtor out there, I'm using these absolute terms, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And everyone says that you can't wholesale in this county, in this town. Mm -hmm. Or if you do, I've talked to all the wholesalers, and nobody makes more than a certain amount, right? You can't make more than three grand or five Mm -hmm. grand on a deal. And that just, oh, that grates me so mm. much, because who says, is there some kind of law of, of nature? Is there some yes. physical law in the books that say you can't make more than a certain amount of profit? But it's, you get what you expect, right? Right,
2: right, You're right.
0: So I I guess you see that as well in students, don't you, Kenneth? Like, you know, people tell you that I can't make more than five grand on a deal, but how do you work with people to try to change their mindset to see, you know, what I maybe I can make ten grand on a deal?
2: I usually tell them about. I say that we set our own limits, and I ask them if they know who Roger Bannister is. Okay. And they say Roger Bannister, and I say, "Look at my Roger Bannister." I said he's the person that broke the four minute mile,
0: mm.
2: and before he broke the four minute mile, it was believed that if a man or woman ran a mile in a shorter time than four minutes, that they would collapse and die. Yeah. So, no one ever broke that, uh, that time. And since he has broken that time, over 20,000 people, including high school students, yeah. have broken a four minute mile. Mm-hmm. And what's amazing about that is the year before Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile, there was another, another gentleman. That came very, very close. And everybody was saying, you know, in the media, hey, this guy's playing with death. You know, he's getting so close to the four minute mile. This is insane. After he saw Roger Bannister break it, the very next run, he broke it. Now, he could have broken that four minute mile before Roger Bannister did, but he didn't because he only got what he believed was possible. Yeah. So I just tell my students you set your own limits, you do what you believe to be true so that way you can prove yourself right.
0: I uh, I love that, and, and that reminds me of a. There's a book called Unbroken. Mm-hmm. If If you heard of that book?
2: Yeah, I have heard of that book.
0: Alex, have you heard of this book, Unbroken? No, what's it about? You guys got to read this book. It's it's okay. it's a it's a story of survival uh, of World War II, um, mm. of this guy oh, forgets his name. It was such a good book. It's like my the my the the best book I've ever read. Um, and it tells the story of louis louis what's his last name louis zamparini zamparini mm. louis zamparini he's an he's an olympic a former olympic track star um he sounds italian i think he was <laughs> <laughs> louis zamparini how'd you know but he uh <laughs> i'm telling you this book is amazing and mm. uh, they they i I, can't, I won't go into it but um everybody listening to this has got to read this i I, I would send it to you alex and ken but I, I think you would appreciate it more if you bought it yeah. <laughs> because you know how it is, man. You give people books for free and they never read it. And...
2: That's true. That's true.
0: Okay. But, uh, they talk about that and it's a really good book and it's a guy who, um, was around at the same time. It's that guy who broke the four minute mile, but mm, uh, an amazing okay. story, this guy who survived world war two and just the worst things that you could think about. But back to the, the $10,000 thing, it's, it is totally a mindset. I'm my acquisitions manager. Um, when we were working together first getting started, you know, he just didn't think we could make more than three grand on a deal. And he said, Mm -hmm. you know, I, Joe, I'm the one who's in the, I'm the boots on the ground. I'm the one talking to these sellers Mm -hmm. and they will not take these offers. They're too low. And I said, you know, that's not true. So, um, started working with him and said, all right, well you, let's just start off with trying to offer, make our offers with a $5,000 wholesale fee. So he, um, uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Reluctantly said, okay, yeah. So we started figuring five grand on our offers. And then we started making $5,000 deals. And I said, all right, now let's let's try $7,500. He didn't think we could. So we mm-hmm. started calculating $7,500 in our offers. And sure enough, we started making that. And then I said, let's do 10. And, um, and right when we were starting to do 10, um, you know, we parted ways. But that's another story. <laughs> right, okay. But, you know, here's the cool thing. When you... Start thinking to yourself, and it's, I'm not talking about any kind of magic, secret, um, like law of attraction stuff. I'm just talking about you. Just expect it, right? And you start calculating mm-hmm. it in your offers. And you're obviously you're not going to get it unless you start asking for it. Exactly. All right, cool. So you're you're doing. <laughs> you just sent out ten thousand letters. You're probably going to get about a thousand calls. Correct. That. Now you these all hit at one time.
2: Well, I split them up. Okay. So um, that way they don't all hit at one time. My VA staff are eight personnel. Eight and VA's. Work. Yep, right eight on. VA's. And I have them answering the phones.
0: And I saw a picture. We're going to give everybody a website here in a minute. Okay. Um, I saw a picture of your VA's. You actually have them all in an office in the Philippines?
2: Correct. They all go to an office that I have there in the Philippines. I found that that worked best instead of having them work from home. Right.
0: That's, I I love that I I actually have a guy that I'm working with right now, and Alex, you should listen to this because this is good. Um, I'm listening. The, <laughs> the uh, uh, I know you're always listening. I'm just telling you. <laughs> but uh, I I've Alex and I have had lots of VAs in the past, and uh, I've always kind of allowed them to work at home. Mm-hmm. But I found this guy in the Philippines who's actually an American who um who lives out there, and he does VAs, he offers VAs to Americans, right? But he has his own office. Mm-hmm. And I've been amazed at the increase in productivity. Oh. When you can give an office to a VA in the Philippines with mm-hmm. a team, with an, a group of other people mm-hmm. in there, um, and they work American hours, you know, mm-hmm. local hours, but the, 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 the it's so much better. They're so much more efficient and reliable. When mm-hmm. you can get them in an office, in a place that they're working without the distractions from home, um, it's it's amazing. So, how did you get the office, get all these VAs to work in the office? How did you set that up?
2: Well, actually, I started out with you know the traditional eLance and ODesk websites, um, hiring VAs, and I went through there. I found the gentleman to help me um, make calls and leads. This is one person. And I noticed that this person had an entrepreneurial mindset. They like challenges. They wanted to do more. I shared with them my larger vision and they saw that I could produce. They saw that I will get deals done. I can get, you know, I have the resources and the wherewithal to make the deals close over here. They did what needed to be done over there. I, um, enrolled him in some webinars, um, trained him on a few uh, ways to negotiate lease options. And he grasped it very well. Then from there I said, Hey, you ever thought about, you know, partnering up and let's take this to the next level. And he said, well, Hey, you know, if I do this, I mean, I'm walking away from my job here. I said, I'll help you a little bit. Let's just figure out what do we need. So we need to get a few computers. Um, some headsets and so forth, and he held some interviews. And whenever he held an interview, I want to interview the person as well. So he would let me know, hey, we have another staff member. I'm going to, you know, patch you in. I would let the person know what I'm looking for and ask if they want to be a part of it. And we build up a team of eight. And we have a section of his house that's dedicated to this. And then the pictures that the, that the those who are viewing this will see later on There are eight individuals there working together as a team.
0: Nice. I I imagine you're paying this guy uh, a percent of the deals or Mm -hmm. a salary.
2: Yes. I believe in um, leading with rewards. So basically the way I have it completely set up, it's just about $8 an hour for all eight. So (laughs) I get all eight working together for one flat rate of about $8 an hour. But what I do is for every deal that we close, I give them anywhere between 250 to $500 per deal that we close. Nice, nice. So their reward, we all, all of our alignment, all of our actions and agreements, what we're looking to do is align together, and that's to close more deals. Nice.
0: So they're getting paid well because you're giving them bonuses.
2: Correct. And that's where they make their money at, bonus. So I said, well, we all eat together.
0: Right on. Okay. Um, so, talk about some of the marketing you are doing. And, and Alex, please interrupt me anytime if you have questions or.
1: Sure. No, I'm listening. Um, it's cool the V the whole VA up in um in one in one office. Yeah. Uh, my yeah. Mine worked from home, but uh, that's that's awesome. I'm listening. I'm learning. This
0: but... is. I think this is a game changer for a lot of people because um, a lot of guys have VAs. I have five or six of them right now. Mm-hmm. Four of them work in this office with this guy, and the other two or three that I have kind of work on their own. Mm-hmm. Um, they're probably – I mean, Philippines is a big country, mm-hmm. eight, something like <clears throat> eight or 10,000 islands. Right. But, uh, so I probably couldn't get them all together in an office. But I i love this idea of having them work together like this.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, so talk about some of the marketing you do. You you mainly do direct mail. Is that right?
2: Yes, I do direct mail and Fisbo marketing. Um, okay, FSBO marketing, what is that? Right, so Fizbo is for sale by owner. So um, I have a variety of sites that they'll go to, uh, Craigslist, um, Zillow, you know, for sale by owner sites to look for uh, deals that individuals are trying to sell on their own. That's one aspect. Then I use my direct mail marketing. And I like direct mail marketing because In today's society, in today's climate and market, it still works really well. Now, the key for direct mail marketing, I have had to make a change in there. And I'll share this change with you that I haven't really shared with many people before. Now, what I do is in my direct mail marketing, I actually put in the letter, please call or text me at such and such number. Now, I've gotten a lot of response from allowing them the option to text in my direct mail marketing.
0: Allow them to text. Correct. And where does that go?
2: Now, the text, I use CallFire to uh, purchase my numbers. Yeah. And so I get my number from CallFire. And so the CallFire number, which you can use uh, any state, any city, You can get a number from Qualifier. They will give you that number. It's virtual. Right. You can have that number forwarded to anywhere you want it to be forwarded to. So I have numbers that represent different parts of Maryland where I'm mailing at. Right.
0: Different campaigns have different phone numbers.
2: Exactly. Different campaigns have different numbers. And also, um, so when they dial that number, it forwards to, that number is also recorded. So call fire will record the conversation.
0: Oh, they will. I didn't know they'd do
2: that. Yeah. They record the conversation. So I get to, as a quality check, listen to the calls and hear how they're negotiating them.
0: Oh, so okay, now when somebody texts that call fire number, where does the text message go?
2: It comes to me as an email notification. So I'll receive an email that you just received a text from this number. Do you want to reply?
1: yeah being able to listen in on the negotiations is key. Um, yeah. I used to do that with pretty may um, so they would record the calls, you have to be careful of uh what states you're in and make sure you know the laws there because some you can record and some you can't right
2: right. I absolutely could recognize that some of you have to make sure that they know what the intention that they are being recorded. I was strongly encouraged for those to check out to make sure that what they're doing. Is uh, can be done in that state for sure. Um, for okay, so
0: okay. the the text messages though, they just get forwarded to an email address, right? Um, what do you do with that? If you in, so you get the email, if you reply to that email, will it text the response back to the seller?
2: It sure will. No so way. basically, what happens is, CallFire sends me an email that says so CallFire notifies me, and you can set this um, up whether you want to be notified by text or email. I say notify me via email every time a text or call comes in. So I receive an email that says a call has come in. You can listen to it right now. If someone sends me a text, it sends me an email message. You receive the text from. And I can log into Callfire. I can see the text message, and I can actually respond back to that text message from that number to the seller.
0: Okay, so very cool. Does Callfire with those numbers they give you do they allow you to leave an outgoing message? Yes. Nice. So you can leave an outgoing message if they leave a they leave a voicemail and then Callfire will email you the voicemail.
2: Correct. You can set it up to manipulate the fit however way your marketing this uh, campaign is need. So there's a lot of options.
0: Okay. Mm-hmm. And remind me I want to ask you about CRMs and like what are you mm-hmm. using to track all these leads? Sure. But um, so the FISBOs. Are your, your are your VAs just cold calling all the FISBOs?
2: Yes, now what usually happens is in between um when the direct mail marketing hits, it may hit in waves and we may have a day where there aren't as many calls coming in. So on that day is when they'll go out and search for the FISBOS, or for sale by owner leads.
0: Okay. And what do they do with those calls?
2: Um they put them in an Excel spreadsheet or they put them in the CRM that I'm using, which is Asana.
0: So you're using Asana as a CRM? Correct. I thought Asana was mainly just a project management. tool. I
1: have not exactly. heard of Asana.
2: Yeah, Asana is really good. It helps me with my joint venturing. So let's say, say for example, um, Alex, let's say um, let's say Joe and I were working on a deal, right? And it comes through. And my VA calls us up, Joe, and says, hey, we got this deal on 123 Main Street. And we're working on, let's say working on 20 deals. And let's say this deal, deal number nineteen, we're working on together, and we want to get Alex to go out there and look at it to evaluate the property and put it under contract. And we want to partner with them on it. So what we can do is put the deal and everything that's associated with the deal in a sauna and send it to Alex. Alex will get an email. When Alex loves to the email, he will go into the Asana platform, and the only thing he'll see is that deal. He won't know about the other 19 deals that we have. He'll just know about that one deal. Mm-hmm. And in that deal, we'll have the pictures. I mean, in Asana, we'll have the pictures, the comps, and any information that we put in there. It allows us to—it blends email, text messaging, Dropbox, and all sorts of other different um, modes of communic- communication together in one area. So you can take a uh, focus on one particular task. So one when a when a
0: when you get a property under contract, then it becomes like a new project in Asana. Right? Correct, exactly. So what do you use though to manage all the leads that are coming in? How do you keep track of a of these leads before they become a contract?
2: Right now, basically, what I'm using right now is an Excel spreadsheet. Before they come in, oh. I have an Excel spreadsheet.
0: Can that, we need to talk?
2: Okay, we need, <laughs> cool, cool. We need to have a heart to heart. All right. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready.
0: Because Podio, which I, you know, I'm, I'm a Podio fanboy. Okay. Um, Podio will do all of that for you. You could mm-hmm. you could do um, Podio to manage all the leads that are coming in and manage the okay. follow-up, but then also use it to do what Asana does once it gets under contract. Um, mm. to manage the entire project from there and assign tasks and responsibilities, communicate with your team, um, it's all done in there, but we can talk about that another time because people are tired of hearing me talk about it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, you definitely piqued my interest. That's yeah,
0: cool. I, I I got a website, JoePodio.com and mm-hmm. PodioJoe.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me see if they're still working right now. PodioJoe.com and com. I did a uh, – when you look at this, it will be different probably, those of you listening okay. on the webinar, but um, on this podcast. I did a webinar on it recently. Where I was selling my um, all of my apps and mm-hmm. some new webinars that I'm going to be doing on wholesaling virtually, and mm-hmm. um, it was uh, I, I love Podio. If you were to take a look at it, and, mm-hmm. and you could, um, I think you'd be impressed. But okay. um, but that's cool. I've heard good things about Asana as well. I know some guys that are using that for a lot of different things. It's it's a good project management tool, mm-hmm. but you need to. I would suggest looking at something to help manage all of the leads that are coming in because it's so easy to let things fall through the cracks on a spreadsheet, right?
2: Oh, yeah, exactly. I have um, the Google Drive is what I'm using, so that's a shared spreadsheet Mm -hmm. between my VA and myself. So once it goes on there, they're color-coded as far as with… Uh, what the person stated, call back, or the deal seems potential. And once the deal seems as potential, is then taken from the Google Drive uh, that yeah. that only my my VA and I share, and then is put into Asana, which is assigned to someone else yeah. there. But no, I understand what you're saying. That would be really something. Podio would be a really uh, another way to add more of a robust and seamless transition. Between the drive that I'm using with Asana and a podium, that like you can really do all of those things you just mentioned. Uh,
0: it, spreadsheets, the Google Sheets are better than nothing, and, and it's um, <laughs> right. So you're doing something that's
2: good. You're not using Post-it notes. Yeah, pen and paper is better than you know. <laughs>
0: writing a receipt is better than nothing too. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I'm I'm big on no lead left behind. Right, every I'm lead. It's got to be followed up on, and uh, you got to have good systems in place. But, I mean, Alex, you're using Podio right now, right?
1: Yes, I am. I'm still trying to uh, tweak it to make it the most efficient way possible. Because, see, I just did a campaign, and I had uh, about 400 calls come in, uh-huh. and they kind of gums up the system a little bit um, because you have all these calls, but you know, a lot of them are hangups, and majority of them are hangups. And um, it's hard to sift through those to find the actual leads. I don't know if you can make a separate app for calls and then a separate app for leads, or if you just work it from a view system or something like that.
0: Yeah, that's that's something that uh, you know. I think we should maybe break this podcast interview up into two parts um, mm. because this is good stuff, and there's a lot more I want to talk about with you, Kenneth. If that's okay.
2: Oh, no, that's fine. I can see where um, it warrants that right there because yeah. we're talking about um, how to disseminate the leads and so forth. Because I use um, the call file creates an Excel uh, CSV file that takes all the calls that come in that I use to match up with the, um, yeah. the drop. But what you're saying is something we're talking about a part right now that is so important and that gets so many investors tied up. And when you go and you uh, begin to expand your business by making more calls. This is where a bottleneck pops up right here. What we're talking mm-hmm. about.
0: Well, you're getting a lot of you're getting a lot of calls, and Alex and I were talking about this before. Alex differentiates calls from leads, mm-hmm. and I can understand why. When I look at it, I I, I look at every call as being a lead, and, and I know you do this, Alex. Your VAs call back all the hang hangups. Um,
2: yeah,
1: and we get leads from
0: right. that. Kenneth, you guys you guys call back all the hangups as well, right?
2: Oh, right. We did. We color code them and saying, we need to know something. Call back in two weeks. Call back in a month. So we have them all. They don't leave until they say, take me off your list.
0: Yes. And that's why you're so successful with this, right? Because right. Every, you have to have a system in place for all of these leads. If you're going to be doing a lot of marketing, like we're all doing here, you're mm-hmm. going to get a lot of calls coming in. And if you let those things fall through the cracks, you're oh. throwing away money. You're literally taking $100 bills and flushing <laughs> them down the toilet. Exactly. Your, your money is made in the follow-up. That's so true. what I'd suggest, no matter what system you're using, all of the leads, I think, need to come into one central location. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And it's going to look kind of gummed up, you know, a little bit because um, you're going to get this weird information and, and – but what I have my VAs do, every lead that comes in, they kind of clean it up a little bit, and then mark oh. which campaign it came from.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And they every lead that every call or slash lead that comes in gets a follow up task assigned to it, or a next mm-hmm. action that's assigned to it. And it could you could set it up where you know it's just a click of a button of like call again. Um, or you, you keep on assigning new tasks. So every lead that comes in, you assign. When, if you leave a message, you assign a new task <laughs> to call them again the next day. Right. Um, or if you talk to them <clears throat> and they say no, or you make an offer, we always mm-hmm. send a follow up letter and a contract. We make an offer on every house. Whoa. I like so, that. So my VAs will will mark it off as. You know, the, we we track their motivation. We ask them some basic questions. But everything is assigned a task. So my VA first makes the pre-screening. And if there's some motivation, um, we'll, he'll, he'll update it, clean it up so it looks like a good, clean lead there, and assign a task for my local acquisitions guy, my local wholesaler, to call that lead back and follow up. Once that guy talks to the seller, we mark it as, you know, again, the next task is to set up an appointment and meet them in their house Um, or Mm. just send them an offer or call again in three months. But every seller gets (laughs) an offer. And so he just creates a task, send them a, send them an offer for 30 grand. And he puts Mm. in his notes, you know, we offered 30, he wants 60. Um, So it's a dead deal, but it's not dead. Actually. We just Mm -hmm. assign a task in there. So then my assistant will print a letter, you know, just a follow up letter. Hey, it was great talking to you. I understand now is not a good time to sell, but, We'll attach an offer in that letter for thirty grand, and we'll send it to them. And then we also mm. add them into a monthly mailing campaign. My point is this. Your best list is your follow-up list. And mm. once they call, that's a lead. And if you've got a phone number they called for some reason, they may not be ready to sell now, but give them a few weeks, give them a few months after that tenant doesn't work out, after that realtor right. doesn't sell the house like they thought they would, um, or something happens, they called for some reason. There was at least a little bit of inkling of motivation in there. Mm-hmm. So, and even if you're using spreadsheets, forget about Podio. The, the key is, I think, to have good systems in place to track mm-hmm. every call that comes in and, and make sure your team understands that every lead that comes in has to have a next task assigned to it so nothing falls through the cracks. I like
2: that a lot. That's What that reminds me of is improving one's efficiency. And not just spending more marketing, but making more use of what you already have. Mm-hmm. I like that a lot. So,
0: all right. Good, good, good. I get passionate about this. I, I talk about it. You're spending a <laughs> lot of money on marketing, but mm-hmm. you don't you don't have any systems in place to keep track of your leads and to, to follow up. And mm-hmm. um, you're just throwing away money. So uh, I, I want to talk about on our next part, too, Ken. Um, mm-hmm. I want to talk more about the marketing that you're doing and what your VAs say mm-hmm. to the oh. um, sellers because that's that's so important, you know. Oh, and yeah. um, you, you mentioned uh, vert, uh, lease options. You're doing some of that,
2: right? Um, I mean, I have a whole and what I really like about what you're sta- what you're sharing with me is that all I have to do is contact the manager I have over there and express this how. The the layout, the steps to do this, and it could be implemented within 48 hours mm-hmm. because there's eight people in there working yeah. and the way in which they all work together. So I see right now that there's areas where I'm missing opportunity and I just have to understand how to quantify the opportunity that I'm missing and implement that.
0: You know, um, are you sending any follow-up letters and offers?
2: No. I haven't, I haven't, when you're sharing this with me right now, it's making me think like, wow, never send a follow-up letter. Because there's a, a call, a gentleman yesterday, he had a house, uh, we needed to purchase it at 35000 He wanted to stay here at fifty, mm-hmm. And he said, ah, he'll just think about it. And so that went into the list that, hey, we'll follow up with him in a month. I'm thinking to myself now, not only should we have, have him on that list to follow up within a month, we should send him, like you said, a letter with a contract. Yes. And that makes to me that's more sticky that means that's more personal that's another layer another touch
0: yes and he's going to hold on to that he's going to stick it into right. his drawer and yep. uh, when he thinks about you later on he's going to call you back pull that out mm-hmm. and call you uh, i i love it and i see that work over and over again i mean you talk to guys who are doing a lot of deals and um you know you're going to find 50 to 75% of their deals are going to come from follow up mm-hmm. uh, and i can tell you story after story about that. So, uh, cool, man. I wish we could talk some more. We need to we cut cheated. this off, Kenneth. Okay. We'll, we'll continue this part two in just a minute here. But uh, let's give everybody your website that um, we talked about before. It's realsuccessunlimited.com/slash/outsource mm-hmm. and talk about the, the the special bonus you give to people there.
2: Right at realsuccessunlimited.com/slash/outsource. What I have there are the five keys to working with the VA. And Joe, the information I have on this page for those who are listening is priceless. I have an actual call sheet, that's the script that my VAs use when they call. This is word by word what I have them say to the seller that allows them to negotiate for repairs, allows them to find out if it's vacant, allow them to understand when we'll call back, and how they can call us back. Uh-huh. Um, I also have on there an actual phone conversation involving a deal between myself and my acquisition manager that's in the Philippines. So you'll be able to understand how we communicate, how we discuss opportunities, and how I do training with him over the phone. That He did in turn does training with the, on the staff. Um, I also have uh, pictures in there of them working, all of them in the room, working on the deals that we have going on uh, currently. Um, I also have the tools that we use as well and videos on how to use these tools as well as call, fire, uh, Skype, which I also go into the Skype manager account. Yeah. How I use that to uh, help individuals to communicate uh, with their VAs and overseas for a very low-cost dollar amount.
0: And so again that website we'll have it in the show notes is realsuccessunlimited.com/outsource. You put your name and email in there and Kenneth will send you to another page that gives you all that stuff and it's really good. I've looked I've looked at it and uh I appreciate you putting that together, Ken.
2: Cool, great. Thank you. I just want to like I think say always add a value. <laughs>
0: awesome. Cool. Let's let's I'm going to stop the recording here, Ken. And uh, I appreciate it. Everybody go to realestateinvestingmastery.com. And if you like this show and like what we're doing here, uh, please leave a review on iTunes. We'd really appreciate it. So, all right, guys. See you later.